Second Samuel chapter 11 again this morning. Second Samuel chapter 11. Second Samuel chapter 11. We started looking at this passage here last week, and I believe it's a good reminder and a warning to all of us. Here's a man who is described in the Bible as a man after God's own heart, and you think about in this chapter the, the wickedness that he was capable of doing. All of us still have a sin nature within us. None of us will ever get to a plat- plateau in this lifetime where we're going to be sinlessly perfect. Anyone who believes that, provoke them just enough, and they're going to prove that they still make mistakes. That they, don't, they don't sin anymore, they say. They, they still make mistakes. But, but you think about this. All of us have a sin nature within us until the day when we're going to be perfected and glorified before the Lord's presence. Second Samuel chapter 11, notice verse 1. It came to pass... After the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba? The, the uh, daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. <clears throat> and David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, and for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. The woman conceived and sent and told, uh, told uh, David and said, I am with child. Now, back in verse 1, let me remind you what we saw last week. That, and we're looking at some of the, the causes, some of the reasons why David, a man after God's own heart, was able to do such wickedness that we see in this chapter. Uh, you, think, you think about this. First of all, as I mentioned last week, it says that he stayed in the palace when he should have gone out when kings go out to war. And I, we looked at the palace, and of course it was a, a house of cedar. And so as he's in the palace, he's not running from Saul anymore. He's now experiencing luxury and ease. And in the time when he should have gone out to war, it says that he stays in the palace. Luxury and ease, as I said last week, will weaken us spiritually if we're not careful. Even as we saw the example of Sodom in Ezekiel chapter 16. Abundance of idleness. You know, all all the blessings, all the luxury that they experienced. All the wealth. But again, you know, it's luxury and ease corrupted his ability to withstand against the temptation that came to him. I want you to consider also this, these, this idea of what it seems to be little matters of disobedience. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 17 says that the kings were not, the kings of Israel should not multiply to themselves wives. We saw in Hebron and also in Jerusalem that David continually uh, added wives uh, and concubines to, to his household. As we think about this, that was disobedience. And as as he had small areas of disobedience in his life, again, there were big things to God or he would not have said it. But to us, it seems like, oh, it's just a small thing. It's just a small matter of disobedience. Well, those small matters of disobedience in our lives will also weaken us to the bigger things. And we are capable of doing anything that we find in the Bible. Notice also, though, it says that he was not where he should have been, as I've already alluded to. But it says, when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him. He was not where he was supposed to be. Can I point out something here? You're not going to find anything good at a bar. I I remember uh, hearing hearing a a, a, a preacher who grew up in in a Baptist preacher's home. And he was tempted to go in and see what the bar was all about after his dad had warned him about that for years as he was growing up. 
Thankfully, he never did that. But he said, that place is dark. There's nothing good going on there. He, 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 it's like, tempted just, just a passing moment as he drove by those, those places on his way to work while I was at Bible college. Think about that. All it would take is for somebody to just show up there. All those people are showing up there. There's a reason why it's kept dark, folks. Being in the right place. If we're in the wrong place, guess what? We're going to open our, ourselves up to all kinds of temptations. So let me ask you, are you going places where you should not be going? Are you going places where you should not be going? Over the years, I've had invitations. Workplaces. Well, we're going to have have a get-together. Well, in the announcement it says, well, the bar will be open. Well, guess what? I guess I'm not going. I guess this is not going to be a good opportunity to to reach out to my fellow workers. I've, I've had family situations. Extended family where... As they're getting together for a wedding and the, the feasting afterwards and all that, it's going to be at the Legion Hall. And it's announced, it's, it's mentioned, the bar will be open. Well, I guess I'm going to the wedding, but I'm not going to the after, effect, the after events. We need to be in the right places. Because if we're in the wrong places, we're opening ourselves up to temptation. Notice then also it says, well, it says in the end of verse 1, it says, David tarried still at Jerusalem. He should have been in Ammon. He should have been there with the battle with his men. But notice it says in verse 2, And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. Now, first of all, I want to remind you that um, the rooftops in this culture were not the roo- like the rooftops we normally have here. Uh, David would not have been walking up on the rooftop of this building very, very readily. It's like, oh, well, don't fall off the edge. No, they were flat. flat t- in fact, they would spend time, they had gatherings sometimes. Remember even, I just thought about this in, in uh, Acts chapter 10. It says that Peter, while they were preparing the meal, went up to the rooftop to pray. Went up to the roof of the house. The rooftop was flat and it was on purpose so that you could go up there. In fact, that's why God said you need to have a railing. You need to have a railing to protect people from falling off the roof of your house or you'll be liable. So, so again, going into the rooftop was, was a normal thing. But I want you to notice here, it says, though, it says, uh, in verse 2 again, it says, It came to pass in an evening tide that David rose from off his bed. Here's a big application right here for for us. When you should be in bed, you better be in bed. There's nothing good watching late night TV. There's nothing good looking at the Internet all night. There's nothing good that you're going to find in that. Well, I wonder what what videos are popular right now. You're setting yourself up for danger. You're setting up yourself up for a, for a fall into temptation. Notice it says, in an evening time, David arose from off his bed. I understand you have sleepless nights. But, but I want you to consider, he set himself up because he wasn't in bed when he should have been. I, I think of, of people who, in fact, I, I'm going back to a Bible college, I had uh, two roommates. <clears throat> so hey, let's pull an all-nighter. Let's pull it on. I, I've never done an all-nighter before. I've, I've never been a big fan of staying up all night. I've tried third-shift jobs. There's just not for me. But here, here's the thing. It was like about 2 o'clock probably in the morning, maybe 3 o'clock. I, I, I've told my roommates, I said, guys, this is stupid. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I work a job. I'm, not, I'm going to bed. If you want to continue this thing, take it to the hall. I, I'm, I'm going to bed. It's like these late night things, it's stupid. You, j- just to stay up, just to stay up. Um, the Bible says in the Psalms that men go to bed at night, the animals are awake. 
Stop being like an animal. Go to bed when you should be in bed, right? But notice here it says, it says, In the evening tide that David arose from off his bed and he walked upon the roof of the king's house. I want you to notice this very important statement right here. And from the roof he saw, he saw, he saw. How many times that is found in Scripture? Notice with me Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. What, what is the primary uh, sense of our five senses? What primary sense does God use in our lives? I believe he uses hearing. I, that's not saying he can't use our eyes and our taste and all those kinds. But the primary sense he uses is our hearing. Faith cometh by hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Notice it says here in Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at the context. We, we, I'm very, we're very familiar with this passage, but I want you to notice this statement, what she saw. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the, uh, the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the, of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden... God has said, neither shall ye eat it, eat of it. Well, then notice, neither shall ye touch it. That's an addition. Anytime you start kind of communicating with the devil, he's going he's to slip some things in there. That's not what God said back in chapter 2. Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. In fact, God definitely did not say that. Well, you, you just might die if you do this. No, God said, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die, lest ye die. So notice the weakening of the statement that God even made. And the serpent said unto the woman, Yea, uh, ye shall not surely die. Notice the outright denial of God's words. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, little Elohims, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, notice, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the temptations we still experience today, according to 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Now I want to point out a couple of applications here. Um, we have, in fact, my wife and I were just discussing this here a, a while back. We have this idea that men are visually oriented, women are not. Uh, explain that to Eve then. Explain that to Eve then. We all are visually oriented. Ladies, you don't know that you want have a particular dress until you see it in the window. Or you see it online. You had no idea about that dress until you saw it. I'm not saying it's wrong, it's sinful to buy that dress. But maybe you don't need that dress. All right, so you think about this. In fact, that's what my wife said. All the times, she did not know she needed something until she saw it. Notice Eve saw the tree. She saw the fruit thereof. And she took of it, and notice she even gave to her husband, and he did eat as well. I think also the example in, in uh, Joshua about Achan. Uh, Joshua chapter 7, I think it is. Joshua chapter 7. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 7. We see this statement again. 
Achan saw something and he took of it. The devil will use our eyesight first and foremost. All right, so here's, here's uh, Joshua asking Achan to explain what happened, to repent before God. Verse 19, Joshua 7, verse 19, And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done, and, and uh, hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus, and thus have I done. Notice this statement, verse 21. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment, and 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them, and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver under it. Notice that statement again. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment, and so on, I, then I coveted them. When we see something we should not have, that's when we will start to covet if we continue to dwell on those things. Uh, then also notice uh, Book of Judges. Book of Judges, another example. <clears throat> we see these examples throughout Scripture. We have to be careful what we see. In fact, uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, they were beautiful to look upon. Judges chapter 14, we have the example here of Samson. Judges 14, verse 1. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and mother. All right, so here's somebody from the Philistines that he saw. Now, it's not sinful to see her, but when he sees her, he wants her. And that was forbidden according to Old Testament law. He came and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Then notice his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren? Or among all my people? That thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And notice this statement from Samson. Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. Now it's very interesting, Delilah is mentioned by name in these chapters here in Judges. We never hear the name of this woman here. Did Samson even know what her name was at this point? I saw her. She pleases me well. Get her for me for wife. Notice chapter 16. Notice chapter 16. Then went Samson to Gaza, sometimes pronounced Gaza, the southern part of, of Philistia, and saw there an harlot, and it says, he went in unto her. Notice, he saw her. Notice his morals by now have been corrupted. Now he's justifying wickedness in his life. And was told the Gazites, saying, Samson is come hither. And they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate. And of course, he used, they used Delilah to try to deceive him. And of course, he bears his secrets and he loses his eyes. So he's following his eyes, what he sees. He ends up losing his eyes. David saw a woman. Now, over the years, I have heard Bathsheba railed on by preachers. Well, she shouldn't have been taking a bath up on the rooftop. 
Where in the Bible does it say she was on the rooftop? Who was on the rooftop? David was up on the rooftop. He was walking around in his palace. And can I remind you, a palace is usually quite a bit larger and taller than a house around there. Notice the exact statement of the Bible. From the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. It does not say that Bathsheba was trying to be luring to David. That's added by preachers. Notice, in fact, the verse that comes to my mind is Job 31 verse 1. Where Job says, I've made a covenant with mine eyes. Therefore, why should I think upon a young maid? Why should I think upon a young woman? I have made a covenant with mine eyes. Well, see, here's the problem. David has not made a covenant with his eyes. David sees a woman in Jerusalem. David sees a woman in Hebron. He wants her for a wife or a concubine. And so he says, I want her. David has not made a covenant with his eyes. If he had had a covenant with his eyes, when he saw Bathsheba, he should, oh, I got to get out of here. Here's the problem. He saw her. Maybe she should have had a curtain up in front of the window. I believe as I see this, he saw her through the window. But it's evening. She didn't think anybody was watching from a rooftop. This is all David, not Bathsheba. Notice it says the woman was very beautiful to look upon. That tells me he's continuing to look. If he had a covenant with his eyes, he would not have continued to dwell on what he just saw. Men, you have no control over what women wear at the store. And to be honest with you, it doesn't leave much to the imagination what we see at the store. The wickedness of the immodesty of our culture. Here's the point. We can't help what they're wearing. But we can help where our eyes are dwelling. If we have a covenant with our eyes, we're going to pay attention. Oh, got to stop looking at that. Think about this. You use the internet for work. You better watch out. You better watch out. When you see something, oh, got to turn that off. Sometimes it's on the news. Years ago, we were watching uh, the area news in Columbus, Ohio. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I mean, we're just watching the news weather and all that. All of a sudden, they, they start reporting on this, this men, gentleman's club. What, they call them gentleman's club. It's, there's no gentleman in there. It's wickedness. In fact, there was a house in Lincoln that we looked at. We didn't like the house necessarily, but we also didn't like where it was located. It was just down the road from a quote-unquote gentleman's club. We don't want to live in this area. We don't want to live in this part of town. Think about this. All of a sudden, this thing comes on the news. and I'm like, Whoa, turn that off! That's when I stopped watching the... When we started... We've got to stop watching all this news stuff. You don't know when it's going to come on. But think about this. When you see it, do you stop right there? Going back to what I mentioned last week. When we watch things on videos or whatever, when we see something, oh, no more, we're not watching that video. I've I've told you before that um, usually within about a minute or two of a video, my wife and I can decide if we're going to watch this video or not. Well, I guess that was a waste. That's why we don't buy videos. We don't buy them. Because most of them are not worth watching. Oh, but there's Christian... No, 
they're, they're Christian in name. You might as well put the quotes there. They're Christian in name. They have just as much kissing, kissing in all those videos as anything else. Think about this. When you see something that you're not supposed to be dwelling on, make a covenant with thine eyes, hold to that covenant, and walk away from it. Turn away from it. We've got to watch our eyes. The devil will use those things. I want you to consider the, the, the disobedience that we talked about last week. Now he's going to be starting to, he's, he's starting to violate the big ten commands in Israel. The ten commandments. In fact, in this passage, there's three of them in particular that he violates. Here's violation number one. Thou shalt not, how, clear, how much clearer can you get? Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. That's part of the list. You're not supposed to covet the neighbor's house. You're not supposed to. On through that list, I'm going to emphasize, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Okay? Well, he does not know she's married at this point. So verse 3, notice. And David sent and inquired after the woman. David sent and inquired after the woman. Now, hold your place, and we're going to look at some, some passages here. First of all, notice here, Matthew chapter 5. Familiar passage, but I want to emphasize this as, before we move on to what David does here. Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28. I, so, so the Old Testament law emphasizes, thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus says, all right, that's the letter of the law. Let's go to the spirit of the law. Matthew 5, verses 27 and 28. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. Exodus 20, verse 14. Deuteronomy 5, verse 18. Uh, just before Israel went into the promised land, God reminded them of the, of the Ten Commandments, the, the basic commands that they were to emphasize in their culture. So much so that he put them on tables of stone. But I say unto you, Jesus says that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Notice there's a heart issue there. But it says, whosoever looketh continues to look so that it becomes lust. In fact, uh, Romans chapter 7, Paul emphasizes, lust and coveting are equal terms. He says, I, I had not known lust except that it says thou shalt not covet. I want you to notice one other passage here before we look at the, the rest of this, this section here in uh, 2 Samuel. Notice with me James chapter 1. James chapter 1. <clears throat> James chapter 1, notice verse 13. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Tempted to sin. God cannot tempt anyone to sin because he's a holy God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, evil, neither tempteth he any man. So, so what I'm emphasizing here is what happens in 2 Samuel 11, that's all David's fault. It is not God's fault. But every man is tempted. Notice, this, this is the, the, what we're going to see in 2 Samuel 11 worked out in David's life. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It's his own lust that stands there and continues to covet after this woman. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? I, I heard a preacher years ago say that this is Satan's LSD. Lust leads to sin. Sin leads to 
death. In fact, it's going to lead to the death of four of David's sons eventually. Can I remind you again what Galatians 6 says that we saw last week? Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Think about this as far as, as, far as the, the example of David as we go through. Notice verse 3 back in 2 Samuel 11. And David sent and inquired after the woman. Now, as I was meditating on this this morning, I, I thought about a passage. In fact, let me read it for you in uh, Ruth chapter 2. I want you to notice David's uh, question there, or, or his, his actions there, I should say, in light of what Boaz does in relation to Ruth. Ruth chapter 2, and I'm going to read for you um, verses 4 through 6. Ruth chapter 2, verse 4. All right, so this is when Naomi and Ruth have uh, arrived back in, in Bethlehem. And it says in verse 4 of Ruth chapter 2, And Boaz, behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers. Listen to this question. Whose damsel, young woman, is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. Notice the question that Boaz does not ask. Who is this damsel? Instead, he asks, whose damsel is this? There's a far chasm, large chasm between those two questions. Boaz is not asking, who is this? I take it, Ruth was young and beautiful. Who is this young woman? That's not what he asks. He asks, whose damsel is this? Who's her father? Assuming she's not married. Whose husband is is, 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 uh, she, uh, who, who is she married to? Now, I want you to notice the difference here as far as David. Notice it says in chapter 11, verse 3 again, And David sent and inquired after the woman. Notice he's sending messengers to inquire after the woman. And notice one said, and notice the statement that should have dropped, or the question that um, should have stopped him right, right then and there. Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife, the wife, the wife of Uriah? Now, first of all, I want you to notice here that David is bringing others into his sin. Oh, oh, but this would never happen in modern day Christianity, right? I have known of preachers. I have known of preachers who have, have sent and have used women staff members in the church to carry out their sin and their wickedness. That's exactly what David did. And we wonder why there's so much wickedness in the independent Baptist churches today. Think about this. David says, is not this Bathsheba, or the the messenger I said should say says, is not this Bathsheba? Notice, first of all, the daughter of Eliam. I want to point out a couple things here. Notice 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel 23. Why is Eliam mentioned if she's married already? Is, this not, is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam? 2 Samuel 23 and notice verse 34. This, this just to kind of give you a context, this is, this is David's mighty men. 
These are his valiant warriors. Notice it says in verse 34, Eliphalet, the son of Ahasbai, the son of the, son of the uh, Maacathite. Notice this, Eliam, Bathsheba's father, the son of Ahithophel, the Gilonite. And we're going to find out later that Ahithophel is David's counselor. Notice this. Ahithophel is Bathsheba's grandfather. Oh, wow, that sheds a lot of light later on in the chapters. Well, while we're here, notice verse 39. Uriah the Hittite, 30 and 7 and all. Notice that. Here's two of David's mighty men that are mentioned in this, in this context. Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, one of your mighty men, remember, David? One of your mighty men, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, I want you to notice with me 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. One of the things I pray often for, not just for myself, but I pray for our people, that we would be vessels unto honor before the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Notice that. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. We see iniquity, we see sin. Gotta leave it alone. I gotta walk away from it. That's how we're supposed to respond. Verse 20, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Notice this in verse 22, flee, flee also youthful lusts. Now, can I remind you that, that David's probably in his 50s at this point? He reigned for 40 years. He was 30 when he became king. You do the math. He's probably in his 50s. I have known of preachers in their 50s destroy their ministries because of immoral behavior. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Flee these things. Notice what 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Right, so David has an opportunity now to walk away from this temptation. He should not have been dwelling on what he saw. He should have been obeying God. All those things. But God now is giving him a chance to walk away from the temptation. Here's an open door to leave. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, notice verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. David had the Old Testament examples. He had the example of Samson. He had the example of Samson that he could have... He had the example of Joseph. We'll see that in a moment. We're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. You think about all these examples. Verse 8 is applicable to what we're studying in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and 20,000. 
23,000, 24,000 total, in, in, uh, but 23,000 in one day. Why? Because of Baal Peor, fornication, as the Bible calls it. Verse, uh, verse 11. Now all these happened unto them for in samples. And they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Here's, here's David. Everything's going great. God is blessing my kingdom. He's standing there and he's ready for a major fall. He's heading for a great, great fall. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. I have a note written in my Bible. I've mentioned this before. Watch your strong side. You know, we, we pay attention. Oh, I've got to strengthen this, this weakness in my life. No, you better watch your strong side. Because where you're confident, that's where exactly where Satan's going to bring in a, a temptation in your life. Verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. That's common to man. All of us deal with those three types of temptations. But notice this. God is faithful. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Can, can I point out here, there's idolatry involved when we give into temptation like this. David is pretty important. He had set himself up for a major fall. But notice again, it says, God is faithful, who will not allow us, permit us to be tempted above that which we are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape. Oh, no! He's going to give us a door. He's going to give it. As we look at this passage in 2 Samuel 11, God gave David opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to walk away from it. He saw, oh, i got to stop looking. Oh, he was dwelling on it, so guess what? He's missed that opportunity. He's missed that exit ramp. Oh, he's inquiring after. Who, who is this woman? Is she not the son of Eliam? Or the daughter, I should say, of Eliam? The wife of Uriah? Oh, well, there's a major exit. That's a three-lane exit off the interstate. And guess what? Oh, oh, I missed that one. He's, he's just pursuing right on through this. Without taking God on this opportunity as the faithful God to have a way of escape. Back in 2 Samuel chapter 11, I want you to notice. So he misses the exit ramps. David sent messengers, plural. Think of that one. David is not even worried at this point of other people knowing what he's doing. That's pretty brazen sin there. You know, usually, yeah, I've got to keep this secret. It's like, nobody's going to know about my internet activities. I'm going to delete all the history. Uh, God knows your history. God knows where we've been. <laughs> Why is it that we think that we're going to secretly do all this stuff when God knows it all? Be sure your sin will find you out. But notice this again. He sent messengers. And here's a very important statement for what you to notice. And took her. We have to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 8 to understand that phrase. 1 Samuel chapter 8. 
When we were studying back in 1 Samuel, I want to remember what Samuel said would happen with the king of Israel. Samuel gave Israel a warning when they said, oh, we want a king like all the other nations. So 1 Samuel 8, verse 10. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. Now notice here, I'm going to emphasize a word again that we saw back in on our study in 1 Samuel 8. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots. To be his horsemen, and some will run. Some shall run now before his chariots. And will appoint him captains over thousands, captains over fifties, and will set them to ear his ground, and to reap his harvest, and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. It's all about the king. Verse thirteen, and he will take your daughters to be confectionaries, to be cooks, to be bakers. Verse fourteen, and he will. Take your fields. He will take your vineyards, your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them unto his servants. That's exactly what Ahab did with with, uh, Naboth and his vineyard. Verse 15, and he will take the tenth of your seed. Oh, now now we're talking about 10% taxes here. And notice, of your vineyards. And give to his officers and to his servants. Verse 16, and he will take your men servants and and your maid servants. And your goodliest young men, your asses, and put them to his work. Verse 17, and he will take the tenth of your sheep, and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Oh, King Saul, he was a very wicked man. David had wickedness in his life. Notice again back in 2 Samuel 11. David sent messengers and took her. David had gotten to the point in his life spiritually where he was so weak to these temptations that he took another man's wife. it, it, uh, it, It irritates me, to be honest with you. When I see young men using young ladies for their own enjoyment, There's times when I'll, I'll see a guy and a girl in public and say, young lady, you better wake up. That young man is using you. He took. How many young men have taken something from a young lady that can never be given back to her? If you love me, if you love me, you won't be doing that. That young lady shouldn't be with that young man. In fact, if he ever says, ladies, if if a boy ever says to you, if you love me, well, I guess this relationship's over. We're not married. The first time you should kiss is when you say, I do. And if you do that, then guess what? You're not going to have all these temptations that young people have today. He took, he took something. That did not belong to him. Notice me, Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. There's a powerful statement that Joseph makes here. I want for us to see in that context. David had this example to follow, but he did not follow this example. David as king thought he was privileged. He could take something that was not his. 
Genesis 39, verse 1. Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the, young, uh, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. Oh, he's prospering where he is, just like David was prospering. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and made him overseer of, over his house. And all that he had he put in his, into his hand. God is prospering, the Lord is prospering Joseph, even in captivity. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. He was a handsome young man. That's exactly what that statement means. It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. Proverbs 6.25 says, Neither let her take thee with her eyelids. Think about this. This look of lust. Notice, cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, Lie with me. Notice these three important words. But he refused. He said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master what if not, doesn't know what is in, uh, with me in the house. He hath committed all that he hath to my, tr- my, my hand. Notice this trust here. There is none greater in the, this house than I. He's not abusing his power here like David did. Neither hath he kept back anything from me, notice, but thee. He had, Joseph had to remind Potiphar's wife, you're married. You're married because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness? This is before the law, can I remind you? This is before the thou shalt not commit adultery was written down by God. Notice, and sin against God. Notice he had a fear of God and he was afraid of of disobeying God. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. He's not even going to spend time with her. Avoid compromising situations. I have that note written in my Bible here. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. He's conducting the business of his master. There was none of the men in the house there within. Be careful. Protect yourself from accusation. Protect yourself from accusation. And of course, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and notice, fled and got him out. Flee! We saw in... 2 Timothy, flee idolatry, or flee uh, uh, um, fornication. Notice, that's the example that David had, and he does not follow it. Now, as, as we finish up this section, notice back in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11. She came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness. That's the, the ceremonial uncleanness as far as the, the uh, Old Testament law. Now she's going to be spiritually unclean. Think about that. And she returned unto her house. Here's violation number two. Thou shalt not commit adultery. The woman conceived and sent and told David. 
and said, I am with child. As we close, I want, to, I want you to notice uh, a couple of passages. Uh, Proverbs 28, verse 13. David has another opportunity to get things uh, squared away here with God, repenting before God. To get things right with God. He has another opportunity, but he misses that exit ramp as well. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. He's trying to cover his sins instead of dealing with his sins and repenting before God. As we close, I want you to notice a passage again that we saw last week, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Because David is going to do some things that I'm sure years before he would never have considered he would have been able to do that. I, you know how that works, right? Oh, I would never do that. Don't be so sure about that. If one disobedience here, a compromise here, and guess what? You're getting down the road some ways. Guess what? God's given you all these opportunities to stop, to repent before him, to get off that path, that wicked path that you're down, that you're heading down. I want to point out here again as a reminder, God's will for our lives is our sanctification. We are to be set apart unto him. And that speaks of purity in this context. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 1, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God. Uh, we're going to want to please God now, someday, we're des desperately going to want, to want want to be pleasing God now because we're going to give an account of our lives. Remember, Second Corinthians five verses nine and ten. So we would abound more and more. We should have a desire of pleasing God. Well, David had that desire, but he set that aside now for his flesh. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification that ye should abstain from fornication. I've told you many times, that word fornication is a Greek word, porneia. Abstain from porneia. Think about this. That's God's will for us. That every one of you should know how to possess his Vessel, here's why we saw 2 Timothy 2 a while ago. God wants us to be a vessel unto honor. Possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence, eroticism. Even as the Gentiles, which know not God. That no man go beyond, notice this, and defraud his brother in any matter. Oh, David's going to do this in more than one way as far as Uriah is concerned. Not only has he taken his wife, but he's also going to take his life. He's cheating one of his valiant men because that the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also have forewarned you and testified, for God has, has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man but God, hath also given unto us his holy spirit. Oh, I could never... Don't ever say that because you're setting yourself up. Oh, I would never... You're heading for a fall. Just, just, just wait. Just wait. And you will see you can. 
If the man after God's own heart does all that he does in 2 Samuel 11, we are all capable. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to heed the warnings of Scripture. Not just commands, but we have this example of David as well. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to evaluate all the stuff that we are setting before our eyes. Lord, help us to determine whether or not we are obeying you in all all thy commands. Are we refusing to obey anything that you've told us to do? And Lord, here's a saved man, a believer, David. Lord, I, I pray, even as we just saw in that passage, we're to not be like this world, the lust of concupiscence. Do not be like this world, living in the, the lust of their hearts. Lord, I pray that if somebody here today does not know Christ as Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. We are all sinners before a holy God. We are all sinners before a holy God. Lord, I pray that today, if somebody is not believing in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, help us. Holy Spirit of God. We just saw the Holy Spirit has been given to us. The Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts right now, I trust. I I pray the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts right now. Lord, I I didn't even mention so-called romance novels. All of this stuff weakens us spiritually. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. To heed the warnings, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.